0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Antibodies. This is our 30th Buddy Sode, a segment where we discuss research papers with the first or last authors of the article. Joining me today from uh, is uh, Dara, one of our hosts from University of Paris-Saclay, and we have Eugenio from the Autonomous University of Mexico. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm great. I'm,
0: I'm doing great. I'm
2: surviving Omicron.
0: Okay, I'm also surviving Omicron. I have dodged all the bullets so far, so I'm assuming I'll also dodge this one. The article we're discussing today is titled Effective CD4 T cell priming requires Our scanning by CD301B positive migratory CDC 2 cells upon lymph node entry. That's a mouthful of the title, but... The paper is coming from the lab of Dr. Kumamoto Yosuke and he is here with us. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Yosuke.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: This has been, as in reading this paper, it was an eye opener for me. I feel like it it changed the way I have been thinking about some of the basic concepts. But before we dive into the paper, Eugenio, can you tell us a little bit about Yosuke?
2: Sure. Um, Dr. Kumamoto obtained his PhD from the University of Tokyo with Dr. Tasura Irimura. And he started his training as a biochemist studying the molecular function of mammalian C type lectins. But later he got interested in cellular immunology of cells expressing those lectins. In 2007, he moved to Dr. Akiko Iwasaki's laboratory at Yale University, where he found that a subset of dendritic cells expressing a C type lectin, CD301B, MGL2, is selectively required for the differentiation of these. TH2 cells, as well as for the maintenance of metabolic homeostasis. Dr. Kumamoto joined the Center for Immunity and Inflammation in 2017 where he studies the role of dendritic cells subsets in adaptive immunity and inflammation. Welcome, Dr. Kumamoto.
0: Uh, Before we go with the discussion, we always have this segment about uh, terminology. Some basic terms that the audience should know before they go into the nitty-gritty of the paper. So I'm going to Uh, ask you first to briefly define what are C-type lectins, because that's one of the the, lectin, the CD301B, something we're going to be talk a lot about in this paper. So can you tell us what this category means?
3: Sure. Uh, Lectin, uh, lectins in general uh, refer to uh, uh, a group of proteins that binds to sugars, uh that are not like uh enzymes that uh transfer sugars onto something uh so it's essentially a sugar receptor and uh one of uh, their categories c type which means uh the binding happens in a calcium dependent manner or uh the folding or the the structure of these molecules are uh, calcium dependent
0: okay so the c in the c type stands for calcium is it I believe so. Okay, (laughs) we we trust you with that. (laughs) All right, so the next term is going to be dendritic cell. And I'll be very honest here that my knowledge about dendritic cells has been very limited. The way I think of dendritic cells is that these are sentinels that capture antigens. They shuttle these antigens to lymphoid organs and they present them to T cells. So from this definition, I think this is going to be a very simplified de- definition of dendritic cells. Would you like to add something to it or modify it in any way?
3: Well, functionally speaking, I think that's pretty much it.
0: I mean, there are lots of different ways
3: to define dendritic cells, particularly if you go deep into like dendritic cell versus macrophage kind of uh, uh, definition. Um, um, but um yeah, uh, functionally they capture antigens uh, mainly in the peripheral organs and bring it to the secondary lymphoid organs such as lymph nodes, and then uh, present the uh, a fragment of antigen as an uh, uh, antigenic peptides to T cells through their MHC molecules.
0: Okay, so we got several subsets of dendritic cells: there are conventional dendritic cells, monocyte-derived plasma side right if you could differentiate if you could distinguish them with uh, in in a, in a single sentence what would how would you do that
3: well again uh functionally speaking conventional dendritic cells uh fits best to what you just characterized uh, so they are the ones that capture engine and present engines to T cells. monocyte derived dcs are uh We'll do the same, but uh, mainly at the inflammatory setting where um, infiltrating monocytes somehow acquire DC-like phenotype, whereas plasmocyte DCs or TDCs are more specialized for producing type I interferon upon recognition of viruses.
0: All right. So thanks a lot for that. And there are also uh, migratory subsets of dendritic cells. So there's another classification. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Again, migratory is just the uh, characterization of their, their functional aspect. Um, so, in uh, within dendritic cell family, uh, there are a particular type of disease that reside in the peripheral organs, and those are the ones that migrate to the lymph node upon exposure to antigen or pathogen. So, uh, that's uh, the migratory definition of it.
0: Okay. With that, we'll go for the next one. So, this is straight from undergraduate immunology, but we'll still take time to define it. High endothelial venules. What are they and why are they important?
3: Oh, those are the specialized uh, blood vessels in the lymph node. So, just the cells such as T cells and B cells are circulating in the blood, but they home to the lymph node through uh, those, those um, blood vessels
0: okay and the last one that we'll have in our terminology will be the draining lymph nodes and the non-draining lymph nodes
3: so the draining lymph nodes uh means uh those are the 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 antigen drains into so if you uh, apply antigens in the periphery such as in the uh, tip of ear or in the foot pad those antigens are captured by dendritic cells and and brought to the nearest uh, lymph nodes. So so we call those lymph nodes as draining lymph nodes, and uh, non-draining lymph nodes are essentially uh, everything else. So uh, lymph nodes and uh, essentially unrelated location in the body.
0: All right, uh, I, I had this uh, general question. So if you inject, let's say, if you immunize through a systemic site, maybe through the peritoneum, would you? What would be the uh, draining lymph node in that case
3: oh, that's a very good question so peritoneal cavity um so to get something drained into the lymph node uh essentially that lymph node has to be connected uh with the location where you uh inject those antigens into through the lymphatics right so uh the the peritoneal cavity is a little bit tricky um because um, a lot of antigen probably goes to the spleen as well. But also, uh, uh, several studies already show that the antigen injected into the peritoneal cavity somehow goes to the uh, mediastinal lymph nodes, which is a uh, long brain lymph nodes, and, and also to the mesenteric lymph nodes, which, of course, in the, in the peritoneal cavity itself.
0: Okay. Alright, so with that, we are done with the basic terms required to understand most parts of the paper. Uh, Dara, do you want to get us into the introduction of the paper? What are we dealing with today?
1: Sure. Imagine the first part of the adaptive immune response. We need T-cell help fast. We're going to have the naive T-cells going through the draining lymph node, finding their cognate antigen on a conventional dendritic cell. And then those DCs are going to help that T-cell to proliferate and differentiate. However, there are like a bazillion different T cell receptors and the DCs have to scan all the different T cells as quickly as possible to find the right one. How does the immune system do this within a reasonable time frame? To understand this problem, the others focused on one conventional dendritic cell, the dermal cd and one B positive DCs. There are the migratory DCs that travel from the skin to the draining lymph node to help induce the TH2 differentiation of T cells. However, we don't know if these DCs are only for differentiation or if they play a specific role in T cell priming. In this paper, the others demonstrate that CD301B uh, positive DCs or the 301 DCs as we'll be calling them for the rest of this discussion are required to prime CD4 T cells. They help sequester T cells in the draining lymph node using the MHC class 2 molecules to scan for uh, cognate clones and also the 301 DCs uh, also hang out near the high endothelial values or the HEVs to scan as many CD4 T cells as possible. Therefore, uh, these DCs are critical for priming CD4 T cells by acting as a scanning window. Dr. Kumamoto, what led you to CD301 DCs versus other types of migratory uh, DC subtypes?
3: Like how I got interested in them? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. So the, uh, well, we call it CD301 BDCs. So uh, maybe I should mention that uh, there are three types of migratory DCs uh well mainly three types in mouse skin which has the Langerhans cells which is the uh, uh, uh only dendritic cell uh, population in the epidermis which is of course the top layer of the skin and there are two types in the dermis uh, one is uh cd103 positive DCs, and the other is c301b positive DCs in case of mice uh, so it's 301 and 103 so it's a, a little bit confusing um and uh, there are uh, previous studies. So, so traditionally, this, the epidermal lung, lung cells have been considered as the carrier of antigen from the skin to the lymph node. And that's been shown by um, chemical Hapton painting experiment in the 80s and 90s. But later on, people have realized there are additional subsets of disease in the skin uh that migrate to the lymph node even earlier than those epidermal lung cells and that's how i got interested in them because they migrate to the lymph node faster so probably they're doing something
1: okay that's interesting had, Jatin, would
0: you yeah i had a okay. question from you just before we start with the results um we have the cd 301 and the 103 I understand that we are at least using these markers uh, as identification markers but do they also have a functional role these lectins for these DCs to do their work? Uh, uh, uh,
3: uh, To clarify CD103 is not a lectin it's a cell adhesion molecule. Uh, uh, CD301 is a lectin and CD3B is the one that we're talking about. Uh, we don't really know the exact function of it. Uh, as I said, it's a lectin, so it binds to sugar. We know that. And it can potentially bind to the sugar that's uh, coming from bacteria. And it looks like it has a signaling domain. So like other C-type lactins in the innate immune system, like deptin and other lectins, it might have a function in, in like, um, defense mechanism but we don't
0: know for sure yet okay so thanks a lot for that segue with that we can talk about the results and what are the findings the first question that the authors are asking is what is the role of the cd 301 b positive dcs or the 301 dcs as we are going to call them in the lymph nodes the authors in one of their previous publications had shown that DCs generally are required for lymph node hypertrophy after immunization. That means DCs help in the enlargement of lymph nodes post immunization. And this would make sense since lymph nodes do accommodate for many incoming lymphocytes that are taking shelter to prepare for the battle ahead. Also, the 301 DCs must help in this hypertrophy, since when these cells are depleted, the lymph nodes do not enlarge as much. Therefore, they suspect that these 301 BDCs may help in the recruitment of lymphocytes in some way. To evaluate this claim, the authors are utilizing a unique system where the mice are expressing the diphtheria toxin receptor under the control of MGL2 gene. What is the MGL2 gene, you may ask? Well, thanks for asking. (laughs) Because the MGL2 gene is the one that codes for CD301B. Essentially, this system allows selective depletion of the 300B DCs when the mice are administered with diphtheria toxin, while all the other cells will remain unaffected since mice, uh, normally my murine cells don't express the diphtheria toxin receptor. In this mouse system, of the CD301B uh, DC depletion, the authors inject wild-type splenocytes, that is, splenocytes from a wild-type mouse that do have all their DCs intact. And these splenocytes were labeled with CFSE, a dye that fluoresces green, so that these transferred splenocytes can later be detected using flow cytometry. These mice were also injected with ovalbumin, or OVA, and papine, in the right foot as a form of immunization. So, to see how these wild types clinocytes behave post immunization under the, under the condition of 301 DC depletion. Before the discussion about what the authors found, I want to ask Yosuke okay, a technical question here. Does CFSE yeah. change how cell, the live cells behave or is it stressful to them?
3: Oh, that's an interesting question uh, we don't know uh it looks like they don't really care much they just divide fine
0: oh like i would i would i would always expected that maybe if you add something to the cells like something fluorescent it would affect them but i guess maybe for the time window that you're looking at they should be fine
3: yeah, potentially. I mean, like uh, the the dye will get diluted uh, eventually once they proliferate, obviously, because they the dye won't replicate mm-hmm. themselves where uh, cells do. So uh, yeah, it, it gets diluted afterwards. So that's probably why.
0: Okay, and also there is. Uh, is there a benefit to labeling the splenocytes with a with a C, with CFSE let's say compared to transferring splenocytes from congenic mice
3: oh uh, yes yeah. so as i said uh because the dye gets diluted uh every time the cells divide so you can actually precisely track how many cells uh sorry how many times the cells divide up until like certain point uh until the you know essentially the dye guess
0: to a Okay. So you're saying that it's like killing two birds with this one stone. You also detecting them also, and also looking at their proliferation. Correct. Okay. Coming back to the results, the authors found that within two hours of the transfer of the splenocytes, there were no differences in the total number of donor splenocytes in the right and the left popliteal lymph nodes. The populated lymph nodes are, th- are present around the knee where you would expect there to be a response after the foot pad immunization. Also, the reason that both left and right are being looked at is because the right lymph node is acting as a draining lymph node and the left lymph node is going to act as a non-training lymph node where we should not see a direct antigen transfer. What this results mean is that within the first two hours, when the lymphocytes are just entering the draining lymph nodes, nothing changes regardless of whether the 301 DCs are present or not. However, the interesting part comes here when they looked at the mice between 2 to 72 hours post-immunization, the time window when one would expect the lymphocytes to expand in the lymph nodes. The authors found that in the wild-type mouse that have their DCs intact, they had over about 2 to 3 times higher proliferation of the donor CD4 T cells and CD8 T cells, and about 36 fold proliferation of donor B cells in the draining lymph nodes, the ones that had their uh, DCs insects in those mice. Compared to that, the 301 DC depleted mice had fewer donor CD4 and CD8 T cells and also fewer donor B cells. The biggest difference was noticed in the donor CD40 cells in these mice. So for the rest of the papers, the authors are going to zoom in on these cells a little bit more than the others. The authors also confirmed that a similar pattern of reduction in these homing uh, lymphocytes was noted with the host's own T and B cells. So based on these results, the authors hypothesized that in these 301 BTC depleted mice something may be off about the retention of the T-cells in the lymph nodes as there's not as many as in the wild type uh, a small question to Yosuke here were you surprised to see these results or do you have a feeling that this would be the case
3: well not not really I mean just to clarify um, I think you mentioned the proliferation of uh, T-cells and B-cells are, were different but Uh, Essentially, it's not the proliferation, but the uh, recruitment and retention of those cells that were different. Because, you know, I would have uh, thought more reasonable uh, if we actually see a difference in the proliferation of T-cells because as I said, those DC subsets is uh, the one that migrate to to the lymph node earlier. So if you deplete them, I would imagine that there will be a less engine available, and because of that, the proliferation of T cells would be reduced. But the, uh, uh, well, whether or not I was surprised, uh, I, I'd rather say I was confused, uh, because the proliferation doesn't seem to be uh, much affected, but the number of those T cells and B cells were reduced.
0: Okay. So the authors also noted another thing about the CD4 T cells, that they upregulated CD69 after immunization in the wild-type mouse, but not as much in the 301-DC depleted mice. For those who you, who may not be familiar with what CD69 upregulation signifies, it is an activation marker for T cells. It helps them upregulate their arsenal of cytokine receptors, helps T cells be retained in the lymphoid organs, and it's also linked to clonal expansion in some cases. Uh, so in summary, the authors have shown so far that the 301 DCs may have a role in retention of T cells and it is also aiding in the upregulation of CD69 on CD4 positive T cells. Next. The authors use the same system as before, immunization of the wild type or the 301B depleted DC mice with papine and ovalbumin. And then the transfer of cfse labeled CD4 positive T cells. This time they're only transferring CD4 positive T cells from another wild type mouse. However, this time they are adding anti-CD62L antibodies after two hours of donor cell transfer. Let me tell you what's the significance of cd62l here is cd62l is required for the entry of the lymphocytes into the lymph nodes so by blocking it the authors are closing the gates to the lymph nodes so the new cells no new cells can come in there and therefore it it's easier to study whatever cells are already there here is some interesting finding in the wild type mouse the one with the intact 301b dc's the donor cd4 positive t cells stayed in the draining lymph node for 8 hours and they started leaving the lymph nodes between 8 and 16 hours compared to that the 301 dc depleted mice had their donor cd4 t cells almost leaving immediately as if they were as they were continuously decreasing over time this result further hammered in the point that the 301 bdcs were helping the cd4s to transiently stay in the lymph nodes or in technical terms, they were increasing their dwell time in the lymph nodes. I'm going to take a small break here to ask Yosuke, what other variables are known to affect this dwell time of T cells in the lymph nodes? Yeah, so so the, there are uh, uh, a few,
3: right? I mean, uh, the CD69 has, uh, uh, well, one is the well-known activation, early activation market for t cells, but also it regulates the uh, CD4 uh, and, and, and probably other lymphocytes trafficking um, by down-regulating S1P receptors. So the S1P is the primary mechanism for uh, lymphocytes in the lymphoid organs to egress from those organs. So, so that's how uh, it's uh, c- controlled primarily.
0: Okay, so we got CD69, that's already known and possibly the 301BDC is doing something. So the next questions that the authors are asking is, how are these uh, CD4s being retained? What is th- what is the mechanism? So there were more than 10% of the donor CD4 T cells that stayed in the draining lymph node. So it cannot be that all of these were specific to ovalbumin. that would be an extremely high number the antigen that these mice were immunized with one thing was clear that cd69 upregulation on the t cells was dependent on mhc class 2 expression on the dcs since ms mhc2 uh, i mean it's dependent on the mhc class 2 expression on the host since mhc2 deficient hosts couldn't get cd69 expression high on their t cells when they were in the lymph nodes The interesting part is that the previous publications have shown that the dwell time of T cells in the lymph nodes also correlate with MHC class II expression. So this one is easy to investigate. Let's conditionally knock out MHC class II expression on the 301B DCs and see how CD69 expression looks on the T cells. The authors did that and they found reduced CD69 expression along with reduced dwell times of donor cd4 t-cells in the draining lymph nodes this leads us to the next questions do these dcs also provide tcr stimulation to the cd4s in the lymph node to test this the authors used a reporter mice uh, they used reporter mice that expressed gfp alongside a gene called nur 77 or nur 77 why do we care about nur 77 well gene is expressed when T cells receive TCR stimulation. Therefore, you can use the GFP signal as a correlate to measure TCR stimulation on these T cells. The authors look—they took T cells from these reporter mice and transferred them to the recipient mice that were either wild type or had conditional knockout of class 2 MHC on their 301BDCs, alongside all the immunization conditions that we have been talking about all this time. While the wild-type mice had increased GFP fluorescence coming from the draining lymph nodes compared uh, when where we expect these 301BDCs to migrate to, compared to the non-draining lymph nodes, the mice which had their MHC class II conditionally deleted in the 301BDCs had a similar GFP signal in both draining and non-draining lymph nodes. So that means there is no difference in these mice Uh, if the MHC is missing uh, in the DCs, and the draining and non-draining lymph nodes look the same with respect to TCR stimulation, while when the DCs are present, the draining lymph nodes, they look different while they are expressing higher GFP. So in conclusion, the 301B DCs are helping the donor T-cells, and by extension, the host's own T-cells, to stay for longer in the draining lymph nodes. And this process is dependent on MHC class 2 expression on these 301B DCs and the TCR, and there is TCR stimulation to the T cells as well. Before we move on to the next result, Yosuke, can you tell us what do you think is causing any immune response in the non-draining lymph nodes? Is it due to other subsets of DCs or is it just passive transfer of antigen through lymph?
3: Or oh, are you talking about the uh, ners 77 expression in the known? yes Yes. Systems? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a, a very uh, good question. Uh, so, the the T cells, uh, particularly CD4 T cells, are are constantly stimulated through the self peptide MHC class II complex. Okay. I mean, obviously, that's how they are. Selected in the thymus, right? Oh, and but but of course, those signals aren't strong enough to fully activate T cells. Um, But you may see um, an upregulation of those um, some of the activation markers. Um, The other possibility is obviously the um, uh, self antigen and also the like microterapia antigens that's present okay because we are talking about the polyclonal polyclonal population of
0: so i should assume that this uh the whatever expansion or activation is going on in these non-draining lymph nodes is not really related to the immunization i don't think so okay all right so with that we get into the third figure In the last figure we learned that the mhc class 2 is required on the cd 301 bc dc's to retain the t cells in their lymph nodes next the authors wanted to examine the other half of this t-cell and dc interaction does tcr specificity also play a role in c301 b dc i mean in dc's for retaining these t-cells to answer the question, the authors used mice that had their TCRs specific to the antigen they were immunizing the mice with. They're called RAG1 knockout OT2 TCR transgenic mice. Basically, these mice pretty much only make TCRs specific to ovalbumin. Oval and they transfer, they co-transfer the specific TCR-bearing CD4-positive T-cells and the wild-type naive T-cells, which can make any TCR they want, into the mice with these 301 b positive dc's or mice depleted of the 301 positive dc's and immunized them with ova and papine the same model as we have been looking at they then measured how long the t-cells hung out in the lymph node the same way we did in the previous experiment using the cd62l block the authors found that the t-cells spent about the same amount of time in the draining lymph nodes regardless of tcr specificity What really mattered was whether the mice had 301 DCs or not. In the wild type, both OT2 TCR and wild type TCR bearing T cells dwelled in the draining lymph nodes for about eight hours, but not in the 301 DC depleted mice. Both types of T cells started decreasing right off the bat in those mice. These results suggest that the T cells interface of the t-cell dc interaction wasn't nearly as important as the dc interface coming to the next part what about the cd69 expression we know that early cd69 expression prevents the t-cells from leaving the lymph nodes and therefore assist in increasing their dwell time so is the cd69 expression dependent on tcr specificity and the presence of the 301 dcs Well, to cut it short, yes. Some of the CD69 expression depended on the TCR specificity and some of it was independent of the TCR specificity. Interestingly, the TCR dependent CD69 expression on T cells was also dependent on the presence of the 301 DCs. However, the TCR independent increase in 69 was not dependent on the 301 DCs. Yosuke, could you help me make the distinction between TCR-dependent and TCR-independent CD69 upregulation? I'm slightly confused here.
3: <laughs> I know it's very confused. I mean, so so so, but that 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 like sort of partially answers your question. So so CD69 is a very well-known marker for uh, 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 T cell activation which means uh, T cells immediately upregulate CD69 upon recognition of a cognate antigen that is presented on MNC molecule. Um, But another way to upregulate CD69 uh, is uh, inflammation. So inflammation that doesn't really uh, have to be an antigen-specific one, right? So the type one interferon is uh, a well-known inducer of CD69 if you stimulate cells with CPG you can get some level of CD69. In T cells, it seems uh, uh, TCR stimulation uh, uh, induces the highest level of CD69 compared to um, inflammatory signals, uh, at least in our heads. So that's what we mentioned in in this figure. So inflammatory induced, or inflammation induced rather, uh, CD69 seems to be independently induced um, of uh, CD3NU-DCs, whereas uh, TCR-driven uh, CD6NN seems to be dependent on cd 3
0: Okay. So thanks for the clarification. And yes, so let me conclude that last figure. These data demonstrate that the 301DCs are required for the retention of T-cells in, in the draining lymph nodes, and this is dependent on TCR specificity, uh, but that 301DCs upregulating CD69, and then 301 DCs do upregulate CD69 uh, in an MHC and antigen-dependent manner. Uh, Dara, do you want to tell us more about the f- further experiments?
1: Absolutely, Jadson. So now it seems that the antigen plays some kind of role in CD69 of regulation, suggesting that the antigen directly interacts with CD4 T cells at this time. So where are these... Um, the 301 DCs hanging out are there in a good spot to directly act with T cells. The others stained some lymph nodes uh, in this case and found that the 301 DCs were enriched at TB cell borders in the lymph nodes. And they were also closer to the HEVs, which is where the T cells enter the lymph node uh, than the other DCs. Furthermore, the others immunized the mice with uh, fluorescently leveled OVA and papain and it was the 301 DCs who show more signal than other types of DCs, demonstrating that DCs are great at transporting antigen to the lymph node to present. to Interestingly, even though the OVA-positive B-cells outnumber the OVA-positive 301 DCs, they carry less OVA. Uh, when uh, CD301 uh, DCs were depleted, they didn't really change how much OVA and the other cell types were bringing in. Uh, Dr. Uh, Kumamoto, why is there no compensatory mechanism for bringing in, bringing in the antigen?
3: Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. We we don't really know. Uh, and then we don't really know if you can truly say there is no compensation for the loss of CD3ME past these because we it's it's very difficult to uh, exactly quantify the amount of antigen each cell type has, and also the number of each cell type.
1: Okay, and uh, are there any other cell types sufficient to bring in enough antigen for good immune response?
3: Oh yes, certainly, and that's exactly why uh, we saw the, uh, well, we saw the uh, expansion of. OT2 cells, uh, eventually, even if you deplete those C3 and b cases. Okay.
1: okay, so from this, the others concluded that the CD301DCs and not the B-cells and other CDCs were the major uh, antigen-presenting cells in the draining lymph node. So the 301DCs are uh, present and well placed in the lymph nodes but they are directly touching and interacting with uh, the T cells. To answer this question, the others brought back those you NUR727GFP know, mice, the ones whose T cells glow green when their TCR are stimulated. So they transferred the T cells from the mice who had the OT2 uh, TCR and the NUR727GFP, and then additionally had the marker CD45.1 into mice without the CD45.1. So when placed in a mouse that uh, does not express CD45.1, the CD45.1 can be used to delineate uh, the donor cells from the host cells using the flow cytometry. The others look uh, for the cell cluster called the doublets. Usually we exclude this from the flow cytometry because it's hard to get good data for individual cells from cells that are stuck together. But here, the other use are disks to find the T cells that are directly interacting with the DCs. So they look into the doublets that were CD45 positive and the MHC class two positive. Three hours after the transfer, 25% of these doublets had uh, CD301DCs B in them, which was uh, way more enrichment than any other types of cells. And around four, 24 hours, the doublets had greater enrichment of CD301- and cd 207 minus DCs. So maybe uh, CD301DC interactions are most critical early in the immune response. Most of the Neur77GFP and CD69 uh, expressing T cells were also associated with DCs and not B cells, further supporting the major role of DCs in antigen presentation. With this data, the authors conclude, three hundred one DCs directly present the antigen to CD three T cells after they enter the draining lymph node.
0: Dara, can I stop you for a second? Mm-hmm. I, I just like yes. how we have been progressing with w- one step at a time, starting from the fact that yeah, MHC is required, yeah, TCR stimulation is required, yeah, they also need to touch each other. <laughs> the, it, it's it's very really one step at a time, and I I see how it takes. It's, it's, it takes very intricate experiments to come to even small conclusions, but with firmness.
1: Yes. So next, the authors wanted to examine the mechanisms that are responsible for the localization of this uh, 301 disease near the high endothelial venues. And what they did was treating the wild type mice with FTY-720 and con- concurrently, immunizing with OVA and papain. And before we move on, I have a quick question. I know that FYT720 uh, is an immunomodulator that can prevent some types of autoimmune diseases, but how does it work in this case?
3: Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's a, I think it's a very complicated. FTY720 is a functional antagonist of S1P-1 uh, receptor, uh, so uh, essentially at, uh, well, it usually blocks the egress of lymphocytes from the lymphoid organs. But in this case, we used uh, FTY720 to like, some, somehow disturb the uh, HEV-associated distribution of CD-3B DCs, uh, because um, there is a previous report showing that FTY720 does Uh, change the localization of DCs around the HEVs.
1: Thank you for the answer. So back to the results, the researchers found that the uh, FTY-720 treatment did not change the total numbers of migratory DC subsets in the draining lymph nodes, but was associated with the 301 DCs moving away from HEVs without affecting the positioning of uh, CD-207, positive disease relative to HEVs or uh, 301 DCs. Uh, Dr. Kumamoto, I have another quick question. Uh, uh, why is it so important to look into the positioning of, of these two DC subsets?
3: Sure, well, that's a very important question. So uh, we showed uh, in our earlier figures and also in previous studies, that the CD3MB positive DCs are specifically localized around the areas uh, surrounding the HEVs in the lymph node. So, when they migrate from the skin to the lymph node, they accumulate in that specific areas within lymph node. Whereas CD207 positive DCs, which we used as a reference population here, uh, and CD207 is expressed in both epidermal lung cells. And also dermal CD103 positive DCs. So those are the two different uh, types of DCs that are distinct from cd 3 B positive DCs. And uh, now we know that cd 3 B positive DCs accumulate around the HEVs, whereas the, the CD207 positive DCs are more enriched at the central T cell zone which is a little bit away from HEV. So our hypothesis is as the uh, naive CD4T cells uh, are coming in through the HEVs into the lymph nodes, CD3 and DCs are sitting right at the HEVs and they scan those incoming CD4T cells. That's why the, their location is so important.
1: Thank you. So to answer this question, uh, as Dr. Kamamoto has uh, explained, they transfer this OT2 uh, wild type CD4 T cells into the wild type recipients that had been treated with the FTY720 vehicle and immunized with OVA or papain one day prior and then blocked the lymph node entry using the CD62L monoclonal antibodies for 1.5 hours after the transfer. And at the time of the blocking, the number of OT2 cells in the draining lymph node of the vehicle and the FTY 720 treated groups are not significantly different, meaning that the FTY 720 has little to no impact on the CD4 T cell entry to the draining lymph nodes. Moreover, the expression of CD69 positive Uh, in the donor OT2 cells was significantly reduced in the FTY-720 treated mice at this time point. Unlike the CD301-disease depleted mice, the FTY-720 treated mice show no reduction in the draining lymph node dwell time of the donor OT2 due to the uh, inhibitory effects of FTY-720 on the lymphocyte egress but nonetheless show the impaired DC T cell conjugate formation early after the entry of OT2 cells into the draining lymph node. The other postulate that the reduction of this CD69 expression was not likely due to the direct inhibition of T cell activation by FTY720 because the CD69 expression in the donor OT2 cells became nearly comparable between the two groups by eight hours after their lymph node entry. So while FTY-720 still remained effective as indicated by the lack of donor cell egress. In summary, these results further confirm the delay in CD69 upregulation in the donor CD4 T cells in uh, the 301-dc's depleted mice in figure three as Jatin has uh, has mentioned earlier. And this also indicate that the positioning of the three all one dcs near HEVs ensures their early access to naive CD4 T cells. Next, the other wanted to look further into the role of this 301DCs in antigen specific CD4 T cells priming and the subsequent expansion. They monitor the activation kinetics of CSFE labeled OT2 cells in wild type or the CD301DCs uh, de- depleted recipients. The priming was semi-synchronized by blocking CD62L two hours after transferring OT2 cells into the mice immunized with OVA, OVA, and papain one day prior. What they found was that in both wild-type and CD301-depleted mice, most OT2 cells remained undivided for up to 16 hours after the blockade and more than half of the OT2 cells underwent the cell first cell division between 16 to 32 hours after CD62L blockade in wild-type. In CD301DC's depleted mice, however, only about 20% of the OT2 cells had divided during this period, suggesting a delay in the initial cell cycle entry. As was observed in mice co-transfer with OT2 and wild-type CD4T cells, the number of OT2 cells that remain in the draining lymph nodes eight hours after the blockade was very much lower in 301-depleted uh, disease mice than in the wild-type mice. But the difference between the two groups disappeared as most, most of the OT2 cells left the draining lymph nodes by 16 hours after the homing blockade. However, only a minimal expansion of OT2 cells in the the dc uh, 301 dc's depleted mice was detected by 56 hours which was likely due to the delay in cell division whereas the number of ot2 cells was markedly increased in the wild type mice between 60 uh 32 to 56 hours after the blockade which resulted in the reduction in the percentage of ot2 cells within a total cd4 t cell population in the uh, 301-DC's depleted mice, which was partially accounted for by the increased cell death in OT2 cells. By and large, these results collectively indicate that the 301-DCs are required for the timely priming and the maximal expansion of antigen-specific CD4-T cells during the early priming phase.
0: Tara, can I add something here? It's actually more of a question than adding anything uh, to Yosuke. So functionally, I know three and B positive uh, DCs. If they're helping in the priming, they're also antigen-specifically expanding the cells. And you said that there are these CD two hundred seven DCs that are present in the central T cell zones. What are they doing functionally? That's different from these DCs, apart from being the gatekeepers.
3: Yeah, well, that's a, a very good question that um, we're looking into uh, um So so the so from the diesel perspective it's known that if you deplete longer cells, which is one of the cd-207 positive population um in in many but not all models uh the the mice will lose th 17 differentiation so, apparently, Langerhans cells are required for Th17 differentiation. Then Kaplan's group showed this nicely. Um, uh, for the CD103-positive DCs, which is another type of CD207-positive DCs, uh, they, are, uh, uh, they are very specialized for uh, cross-presentation. So, they are there to prime CD8 T cells. And also, in some models, all suggest that they are required for Th1 differentiation. So, so there seems to be a division of labor between these different types of DCs, like in terms of which type of T cells they, they are inducing
0: Okay, so we got one of these that is a 17 inducer, there's a TL1 inducer, and then 300B positive, right. which if there are previous publications show that these are TL2 uh, inducers. Okay, that's a very clear division of labor. Yeah, Eugenia, do you want to tell us more about it?
2: Sure, Um, so until now, the authors have shown that G01 dendritic cells are required in the initial activation and cell cycle entry of antigen-specific C4D cells. But is there any time window in which these dendritic cells are required? In order to test this, the authors use a really clever approach. They transfer CFC-level OT2 cells after immunization and allowed them to home the lymph node for two hours, after which homing was blocked. Then, they depleted the dendritic cells before and after the first T cell division, one or two days after the immunization. The authors observed that after depleting the dendritic cells before the first cell division, the T cells divided less compared with the wild type and the group where depletion happened after the first cell division. With this data, the authors showed that the dendritic cells G01 dendritic cells were required for correct timely cell cycle entry of antigen specific T cells. I think this is really a cool concept. And at the very first time, I, I see something like this in experiment. And actually, it was really hard, hard for me to, to get the concept at the beginning. But I mean, I think the experiment was really clever and really nice and, and well done, well performed, I guess. Um, in the other hand, um, in a previous report, it was shown that the depletion of dendritic cells, the uh, TO1 dendritic cells affected TH2 differentiation without affecting TH1 responses. However, the last report didn't take into account the critical time window for the interaction between generic cells and antigen-specific T cells, as there, were, as there was no synchronized priming. To, for, to further test the role of TO1 dendritic cells in T cell priming, the authors priming a semi-synchronized semi-synchronized setting. The authors observed a tendency in reduction of TH2 cells and increased differentiation of TH1 cells in the absence of Tri01 dendritic cells. In addition, in a non-TH2 type immunization using OVA and FCA, the absence of dendritic cells led to enhanced interferon gamma and IL-17 expression on T cells. Back to the discussion, uh, Jatin.
0: Thanks a lot, Eugenio. So I was also thinking, what could be some of the practical implications? So, for could this be could this knowledge be used to improve vaccinations or in any <laughs> other area?
3: Oh uh, well, yeah, of course, I hope so, right? Um, uh, well, uh, I I don't know if it's a you know clear implication or not, but um, but certainly, uh, we can potentially we can think about a way to somehow maximize the Uh, t-cell influx to the lymph node uh, to get uh, vaccine efficacy higher Uh, and that's that's actually what adjuvants do right adjuvants definitely induces inflammation and inflammation induces a lot of uh, cell influx
0: okay there's something I just noticed. So the p- reason you guys use Papine is mostly because it's an adjuvant and helps in TL per two responses. Does this have anything to do with the 301 BDCs? Like and specifically, does it excite them or does it stimulate them specifically?
3: Um, maybe we don't really know how papain induces, uh, specifically induces TH2 response. Uh, uh, I think there are, uh, several speculations, uh, uh and like maybe caffeine induces, uh, uh, IL-33 from the, uh, the damaged epithelial IL-33, obviously, um, stimulates, uh, type two response. And we know, uh, actually we showed that those, those CD-3 and do express a receptor for IL-33, um, so maybe... That's uh, part of the mechanism, but we don't know exactly how it works.
0: OK, and last one from me. What's going to be the future work? Is it something directly related to this paper? or Are you branching off into something new?
3: Oh, well, I, I, I would say it's, it's, it's uh, related to this one. Uh, our biggest question now, is, as I mentioned, uh, there are different types of DCs in the lymph node, and they may be interacting with those incoming T cells in a sequential order or at different locations right so so we are very much interested in how how their differences somehow regulate the fate of CD 4 t cells like in terms of which type of effectors they differentiate
0: that's going to be an interesting study and i'll be on lookout for that hope you get it out this year sometime (laughs) i hope so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll be quick but yeah Okay, Dara, do you want to uh, help me summarize the, our discussion today?
1: Absolutely, Jatin. So the key conclusions from this study are that, the first, CD301 DCs are required for the upregulation of CD69 in polyclonal CD4 T cells recruited to draining lymph node where they retain and activate naive polyclonal CD4 T cells in the draining lymph node in the MHC class 2 dependent manner. They are also necessary and sufficient for the naive CD4T cell retention in the draining lymph nodes. The second point is that the 301DCs dependent naive CD4T cell retention is irrespective of the TCR specific city, but uh CD301DC dependent CD69 upregulation is antigen dependent. 301DCs directly present soluble antigen uh, to CD4 T cells in the draining lymph node immediately after their homing. The the positioning of CD301 DCs near HEVs can facilitate that interaction with incoming naive CD4 T cells. And these DCs are very crucial for timely priming of antigen-specific CD4 T cells. And last but not least, the early interaction of these DCs is very critical for the maximal expansion and the fate decision by the antigen-specific CD4 T-cells. And furthermore, they are also essential for optimal priming and expansion of the rare antigen-specific CD4 T-cells, T-cells clones. The overall summary of this is that the 301 DCs can dictate the dynamics of the CD4 T-cell response against soluble antigens in the lymph node. And that's it.
0: Thanks a lot, Dara. And I'll also add another point that DC classification is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my I do not know how. <laughs> yeah, I I used to think I used to think T cell classification is complicated, but that is this that's child's play in front of how complicated DCs are to classify. All right, so this has been a, a great discussion, and I think the the best part about this paper is that it changes, like, I remember when we first read this paper, Eugenio messaged in Slack, uh, in, our, in our Slack, he said, oh, so I've always wondered about how, uh, these, how T cells, there are so many clones, how would they figure out which one has to uh, expand in such a short time? It cannot be random. There is no way, it's just random. There has to be some cell type. So this paper explains, that it's not random there is all uh, actually scanning going on and there's a i'm going to also see 301b dcs from now on as like a guard standing at the door of the huv <laughs> and looking out for dcs right there okay uh if nobody has else asked to add anything i think this would be a good time to wrap up the discussion thanks a lot yosuke for joining us today
3: oh, my pleasure thanks for inviting me
0: And thanks Dara and Eugenio for the wonderful discussion for our audience. If you're interested to know more about our science communication endeavors, please check out antibodies.org. You can find our blogs, journal clubs, and podcasts there. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email us at antibodies1 at gmail.com. With that, I'm your host, Jatin Sharma, signing off until we meet again. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.